0: In preparation for today's message, we shall be reading from the book of Proverbs 21, verse 5, Proverbs 15, verse 22, Proverbs 19, 21, and Proverbs 21, 31. Proverbs 21, 5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Proverbs 15, 22. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors they succeed. Proverbs nineteen twenty-one. Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Proverbs 2131. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. Our God is good. It is a pleasure once again to be here and still serving the Lord as we serve, as I serve this congregation, as we serve this congregation. May the Lord bless the work of our hands. Now, uh, I do have uh, something to discuss with you, which is our vision or our goals. And uh, in the process, after this sermon, we will come up with areas where we can meet together and plan together to those who want to participate. But today, uh, this morning, I'd like to discuss about wisdom and planning. Wisdom and planning. The message is for our church community. However, we know that this applies to us as individuals and it applies to us as families. Now, planning is necessary for both progress and survival. Without planning, the percentage of both progress and survival dramatically goes down. Such is especially true for nations, yet equally valid for all organizations one may argue that it is also applicable to families and individuals. There are many intricacies to planning, yet we allotted some time to discuss a few wise sayings, of course, from the Holy Scriptures, and it's related to planning. Given that it is important, we should learn to plan wisely, but not only just plan, but execute the plan. However, where does God come into all this? How does God fit? My friends, no, we don't try to fit God. We begin with God. Some people plan their lives as if God does not exist. Some people plan their lives as if the scriptures do not exist, and some plan their lives as if the community of believers does not exist. They just plan individually, and they just tell others their plan, period. And we, I'd like to argue from this morning's sermon that that is so unwise, Now, here's the conflict in a world where we have multimedia, and media, not just multimedia, especially coming from the West, that is so individualistic, and when I say West, specifically, uh, the U.S. of A. Highly individualistic, where you just do what you want to do, plan what you want to plan, In contrast to Asian cultures, or even in Latin America, where when we plan, we also see how it affects our family, our tribe, our clan. But I'd like to say that we should be careful in what we adapt. And here's the challenge. Culturally, we are affected by a Western mindset because many of the good books did come from there. However, we have an Asian heart connected to community, and there lies the tension. I'm not saying one is better than the other. I think both have its merits, that one must still have some form of independent mindedness, yet that is not the proper word, I believe. I think what we desire is interdependence. Well, I can live without you by God's grace, but I prefer to be interdependent. It doesn't mean dependent. It doesn't mean I'm depending on you, but I'm interdependent. We can help one another. We can rely one another. And now Proverbs uh, was collected uh, and as a set of wise sayings to give wisdom to whoever will read it and uh, we know that it is within the literature of Israel. Yet we as believers can go to it and uh, learn from it. There's a lot of wise sayings here, but let me warn you that these are wise sayings. This is not epistle. This is not at the same level when Paul writes about the gospel. That is much higher. This one is practical living that is still biblical, and we could see that the writings of Proverbs, if you look at the narratives in Scripture, like from Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, the Kings, you'll find there that some of these Proverbs, you can relate to these stories. So we come to look at these Proverbs with a hope, these wise sayings, with a hope that we all become a little bit more wiser as a church community, but also as Individuals. Let us go back to verse 5 of chapter 21. It says, The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Now, diligence leads to abundance, according to this proverb, yet well, a simple observation that the diligent here has plans. The plans of the diligent, well, you can still have a plan and not be diligent about it. You can hurry up a plan and it might be a terrible plan and be diligent, and, uh, but that means it, is, it was not done diligently because you did it hurriedly. But the plans of the diligent, uh, well, I, I would picture diligence is really trying to get the most information as you can. Well, nobody has all the information, even though you research everything, you spent time researching, but there are just things we do not foresee. Although, for example, the pandemic was predicted that we are due. People were saying we are due for a pandemic because a pandemic of more than 100 years ago, we haven't had one yet. And historically, there seems to be a cycle, so some people could say that we are Jews, so somehow they predicted it, but we don't know exactly when, what decade. And of course, there are a lot of rumors whether it was done, it was man-made or not. Uh, Nonetheless, I'd like to say, yes, there are some things we can foresee by research and studying and learning from others, yet there are also things we cannot see even though you diligently plan. Yet. Can you imagine a person who doesn't even look for information? They just do it. And that's why we have many more failure, and I'm not against failure if you've done your studies properly, and uh, you try, you fail, you learn. I believe some things are like learning a bicycle or learning a skateboard. It takes time to learn it. You keep doing it. But there are times some people are not responsible enough, because they felt it's good, they did it. They didn't want to consult because they don't want to hear the negative, the other side of the story, and that is so unwise. Because the other side of the story must also always hear, what if? What if bad things happen? What if? Some people do not like Murphy's Law, they think it's not being positive, Uh, but I I like it in the sense that it keeps me prepared. Well, some say the worst thing that can happen might happen. And uh, if you think about it, almost all plans have one or two glitches somewhere, even if it is planned very well. Now if you prepare for that, then somehow there's some diligence there. Now the plans of the diligent lead to abundance. When I say abundance, this doesn't necessarily mean you're rich, but it leads to progress. It leads to something good. But the opposite, and remember Hebrew writing, sometimes the first part is uh, stated in the positive, the second is in the negative, and vice versa at times. Sometimes it's a set of lines before another set of lines, or paragraphs and paragraphs. Sometimes it's just one line and the next line. Now the opposite of this, but everyone who is hasty or hurries, everyone who is in a hurry or hasty comes to poverty, not literally poverty as as in you don't have anything to eat, although it may mean that, but it simply means you will, what will happen is a sense of lack, a sense of non-achievement, a sense of losing. But some never plan at all. They're just hasty, doing this, doing that, doing that, without carefully thinking. Diligent planning leads to advantage. That is what this text is saying. Therefore, it is wise to plan diligently. However, the one who hurries, again, will end up lacking. Now, if you're the person who's always in a hurry but doesn't take time to sit down and think it through, now, if you lack thinking it through, that's why the next Proverbs, we will discuss it, there are different ways to to plan well. And, and one thing I learned, to never do it alone. Well, <laughs> just kidding here. Unless you're a spy in the middle of enemy territory, you have to do it alone. Uh, but spiritually speaking, we have to pray and seek God for guidance and and wisdom. So application, let us avoid rushing in to things with a narrow mind. Why? Because if you're in a hurry, you are in, in essence narrow-minded, although that is not exactly what the text is saying, but uh, because you never took the time to look at the opposite perspective. And that's one thing I learned about learning. <laughs> As I grew in learning, and I have much to learn, it is always good to see the different positions in a certain subject. Not to be narrow-minded, uh, like the presidential elections. We may have reasons why we already concluded, and in fact, if you're so quick to conclude uh, about your decision, I would like to, for you to be prayerful and really Weigh it so that whether it's still the same candidate you will vote for, but because you look carefully looked at the other perspectives, you have now a stronger conviction. Why? Uh, but uh, like a lot of people in social media, they're hasty to post something, to argue, to fight, and. Uh, we see that as unwise and childish. And of course, some of us may have done it in the past, and I have done it too in the past, and I feel ashamed of it for being so unwise about it. And uh, like this time, I think uh, more and more, uh, a conviction gets stronger for me in who I will vote for uh, as time goes on. Um, but I'm not that quite in a hurry because I don't belong to a political party anyway. That's a different story because in a party you have decided with a community of other politicians in your party who will run and you have to agree by its bylaws. But let's bring it down to church. We must have plans and we must be diligent. And it's not the the run-of-the-mill, I feel this is good, let's do it, but I'd rather take time to be steady in targeting, in fulfilling a few but most relevant, few of the most significant and relevant, rather than doing so many things. Every, it cannot be every second we have a new idea, or every week we have a new idea. It cannot be that every meeting we have a hundred ideas. Now, there's nothing wrong with listing down ideas, but you still have to filter it. Now filtering ideas, a set of ideas, takes diligence. Well, you have to think of so many factors. You have to think of the social factor, or the people factor, or the culture factor. You will have to look at the economic or financial factor. We, we have to look at even the, the technological factor. We have to look at the legal factors. Uh, th- there's quite a number. That we have to look at before we actually jump into and then we have to look at historical data and see how, if there is some, maybe we can learn from it. And some just ignore this. Some of our friends felt quite sad, and we felt sad, too, when our family decided, I think, in 2010 or 20, 2010, or I think even earlier, that we should move to the province. Um, I have my own reasons and some of my reasons were based on data and some were based on the forecasts of certain experts like scientists. So, if It was very simple for me. I, we would be driving our kid to school every uh, morning and that would take one hour. In a place that takes 15 minutes or less to drive, and then you come back, you've lost two hours of your life in one day. And if you add two hours for a year, if you think about that, you could have started a sideline. You could have taken an extra degree to study, two or, because it's every day. You could have two hours every day could get you another degree, by the way. I. Mean, and I looked at the data, and I looked at the solutions, and I thought, well, this is a long-term solution. The short-term won't happen. Uh, that's just one factor. The other factor was very simple. We live near the fault line. Well, when I came here, there's not much difference, because there's a fault, fault line here as well in NAGA. But there are a lot of things. Another is stewardship about being the only son and have to be a steward of our family. So there, there are quite a number of factors, and then the concept of socially rooting our children to a community, it's harder there. It's harder to do that in a megachurch. It's harder to do that in, in, in Metro Manila, well, it, when, where you, if you want to meet your friends, you need an appointment, because it takes an hour to meet them, unless you do it in those times where it is lean, the traffic is quite lean. When we moved here, just a year or two, it became so terrible living in the place where we were living. But it's simply looking at things to decide not whether... Some people, when they say, I'll think about they're not actually looking for information. They're thinking only on what exists, what they already know, and that's a problem. Because if you connect very few dots, you cannot create. You cannot weigh it carefully. Seeing more dots, information, makes you see things more clearly. Of course, I'm a person who who also thinks of possible consequences. If then, that simple logic we learned from school. If then this, therefore that. It's also philosophical, a very simple philosophical structure. Assuming the first and second premises are true, then the third might be a logical conclusion. But if anything there is wrong, but we don't want it to be wrong, because we're more of emotional beings, and that's the truth. That's why we have to work on our decision-making. The emotion already exists since we were children. It's there. The thing is maturing from it. But if we don't mature to diligence, so what happens to us? We become unwise and we make stupid decisions. Sorry for saying that word. Well, the more biblical word is foolish. (laughs) We make more foolish decisions that so many in the world have made, but we never learn from others. We learn from others by looking at the stories by observing the stories even within our families, among our cousins, our uncles, or even in our neighborhood, or even among your classmates, because we are not observant at times. We just feel it and do it, rather than observe and learn, and try to tame the emotion for a while, and put your mind into it. And and that includes everything. Some people get married out of what they feel. The term is, I feel in love. And after a few years, they lose the feeling, which is, it's not permanent there because many people realize that a partnership is more of a responsibility to one another. And if, if, if you are gifted with children, and it's really a commitment to grow that family, it's less of that things we watch in TV that makes us feel good, and there's nothing wrong if you want to feel good, but make sure you separate reality from fantasy. And the reality is we will struggle. Do you know how much of a struggle it is just adjusting to one another without diligence, without wisdom, to another person? And, And therefore, we rush things. Now, the problem with, with us as well is we see one example and we generalize it. And that's a fallacy. You cannot just take one example, one bad experience of one person and generalize it. And that can affect us. I, I, I think I was affected by that in my younger, very young years when I met people taking their masters and they say, it's difficult, it's difficult, it's difficult. And it got to me. So I delayed it as long as I could until my good parents reminded me, why not take some? Why not? So there was an encouragement. It's a good thing there was a balance. But that kind of thinking affected me. And I thought it's generalized. I didn't know that there are some stuff that are difficult and that some stuff that are not so difficult in school. But I didn't see the beauty of what? The pain in learning, the pain in learning. I was hearing a story of a young brother in one of our growth groups where uh, he was riding a bike and he didn't see the hump and he flew and he fell. That did happen. Well, it's a good thing he didn't die. Very few die of such, but he got bruises and bleeding everywhere but that made him wiser, to be more focused. As children, not many children are focused. I mean, in fact, all children just run. But because of that pain in learning, two things can happen. Let the trauma defeat him, or use the trauma to be wiser, but continue learning. And for some of us, when there's the trauma, we don't want to do it anymore. And that's a problem if you don't do it anymore. But, if you say, let me learn, I know I can still learn this, I know I got hurt, but let me learn from this. And if I still keep doing this, I will be better at it, and that is the truth. Now, the possible outcome is poverty or the loss of certain advantages if we are not diligent in our planning, or simply lacking or losing something. So, But on the other hand, what we should do is to develop sharper minds. Sharper minds. And I, mean, I don't mean sharper minds because we, we, lo- we, learn, we know how to test well, to write the exam well, to pass these exams. No, I'm not talking about that. Sharper in terms of the plan. Sharper when it comes to planning. Now all of us plan, of course. You plan. There was a plan coming here. And somehow some of you made up the steps, or you have the regular steps. First thing I'll do, I don't know what you do first. To brush your, do you brush your teeth first, or you eat first? I don't know. And, but if you're in a hurry, what will happen? You'll forget to brush your teeth, right? So don't be in a hurry. Chill. Sleep well. Wake up early give enough space." Now, just thinking about that, Now, a, a bunch of our youth went wakeboarding yesterday, but we have a 5 p.m. meeting. They were there all day, but one of them said, by 3 we stop and we go back to meet the 5 o'clock appointment. Now, that's, that's two hours. That's, that's long. And knowing that CWC is not that far from here, but that was a good decision Why? Things that can go wrong might go wrong. So they, the tire was flat. Good thing there were a bunch of them, and at least there's at least one or two of them who know how to change a tire. The rest didn't know, or know it in concept but haven't done it. So some of them, when we opened the meeting, they just, Well, they arrived just before five in their homes. It was just in time. Can you imagine giving no allowance to that? That's why many are always late, because they've never been diligent about their time. They've never been diligent about measuring how long do I take a bath, how long do I fix myself, how long do I dress, how long does it travel? uh, Now that's more diligent planning. The non-diligent will just wake up when they feel it, Go when they at the pace they want to, so most of the time they end up they end up late. Now that's a simple planning of going from point A to point B with a time frame. But along it are many things. You have to make sure there's a vehicle. You may have to make sure: Will you take public transport, or, or, or will you take a private transport? Uh, how how many of you will fit there? And in relation to the others, are others on time as well? Because if one of them would be late, then everybody might become late. Or he or or she should be left behind. There are a lot of decisions. Now, put that into a church plan and into a life plan. Some never make decisions. They just coast along with life where, where it takes them. And, um, well, that's a nice lifestyle, but you don't accomplish much for the kingdom of God, and you don't accomplish much for yourself. And others are not so diligent because they see one nice opportunity and they think that's the, all the opportunity in the world. <laughs> Without seeing there is actually something better and more suitable. I think the term is suitable. There are endless opportunities in the world if you are prepared to take the opportunities. The key is, are you prepared to take these opportunities? Have you built yourself into these opportunities? But again, that takes diligence. So, well, diligence implies you have to have a sharp mind and you have to be decisive. Decisive meaning decisive. Once you've studied it, you've planned it, you're decisive. Some study it and plan it, but never make decisions because they're afraid to make a mistake. But that fear becomes less if you do diligent study on the planning. The fear goes down a bit, but without it, without the study, the fear is always there, therefore, now there are some things I am firmly and decisively saying no to a project or delay a project firmly because of what we learn. It's not always go. Sometimes it's no, sometimes it's stop or wait. Sometimes it says now we do it. But the worst is, I don't know. I don't know whether I should move forward or not. So what do you do? You delay and delay all the decisions, and life passes you by. We could have done more for the kingdom of God. You could have done more for the family, but we just let it pass away. Now imagine this, a community, uh, I mean us, that we are not hasty to fulfill our selfish pleasures, but rather we look to God's word for guidance. Imagine that. Instead of being in a hurry, we are calm, collected, and we seek God's guidance through his word. Imagine a community of families, or families composed of people diligent to fulfill the mission to proclaim the gospel and make disciples. Imagine a family who sits down and they talk about potential plans for each individual and they see how they can relate and support it. Imagine sharing dreams, a family talking about the pros and cons of a certain decision. Imagine a family taking the time to pray about it and warning each other because we know each other, (laughs) warning each other. Well, you may get into that, however, as I observe in you, you have to develop this. This has to change so that you can, up, you can really get into that. And that would be great advice from people who know you very well. But some people, they don't really take the time to learn one another. They're biased. They have these anchors of the past. Some people have already changed, but they keep anchoring on a certain past. <laughs> I remember my auntie saying, "Oh, okay, he, she calls me Junjun." Junjun <laughs> uh, Jun likes spaghetti. I mean, it's been w- worlds apart when she was saying that it was a season that I hate the spaghetti we make. But she keeps insisting on that, and I fell asleep on the couch, which I love the couch, and my auntie who was visiting, "Oh, Uh, he doesn't like sleeping in the couch, he likes sleeping in his bed. And I said, Auntie, I'm a 30-year-old man, I can sleep in the couch and not be afraid, okay? Uh, Because there's still that anchor, and that's a problem with family, if we delve on anchors, rather, we have to be observant of how we are changing, how we are growing, and if we are observant, then... The past is simply history, it's simply information, it's not something that we peg for life. That's why it's uncomfortable talking with the family, because they have pegs rather than observing. One thing I've learned about teaching doctoral students is, well, these are intelligent people, I have to find the baseline. Because if I teach them as if they don't know anything, that's insulting them. So I have to find the baseline, so what they do, I let them speak more. And then I understand where they're coming from. And the gaps, they're the ones who ask me about the gaps, their gaps, and then that's where I address. That's where I can move in. And as family grows, we are also changing. Remember, we are changing, we're getting old. And uh, the fact, if you know that fact that you are getting old like everybody else, the wiser you become. But if you're in denial, of course we can always dream and speak silly stuff. Like I tell my wife, I want to jump out of an airplane and uh, experience a parachute. And he said, well, you have to lose weight first. And uh, well, at 50 plus, your knees are not as strong anymore. I mean, that's wisdom. Maybe I'll still jump out with, within it. No, I'll just do the hot air balloon. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, moving on to another aspect so that we can be more diligent is verse 22. Uh, le- let 's look at chapter fifteen verse twenty two without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors they succeed. The next point is the need for many advisors. Uh, well, the first point was diligence versus hate. haste i mean haste the need for many advisors now. Again, some people look to do things independently and they may have a good reason for it. However, it is wise to heed wisdom from Proverbs when it comes to planning. Without wise advice, a plan fails. But the opposite is true. Now, because we have this bias, we have a cognitive bias and we have an emotional bias, we're looking for the advice that we like. You're finding it, oh, they advise me, it's okay. You're actually hunting for it. Uh, out of a hundred counsellors, you found one, and then because one confirmed you, you think that's it. That's cognitive bias, and some of us have not outgrown that, sad to say. We have to outgrow. We want Sometimes we hear what we want to hear, but that's not exactly what the person said. We're quick to conclude, we're quick to react, so what we need is more counsel. But because you want some honor and pride in what you're doing, which is dangerous, I'd rather say we did it than I did it. It's safer for my humility, that I have humility, so I, I involve others in doing a plan and executing a plan. But it's also better because there are more perspectives. Now, but sometimes there's a good reason for doing things independently, and I have nothing against independent people. I like it when you're independent. But don't be too independent to a point you don't practice interdependence is getting wise advice. Without counsel, hmm? a plan fails. It means if you just do it on your own. Why is that? Well, I think individually, I don't know everything. Nobody does. Now, if you plan yourself without consulting and you only choose the to consult people who you think will agree with you, uh, then that's unwise, that's the opposite of wise, that's foolishness. So we have these favorite yes-men around us, yes-people. We don't want to hear the no. But the no is good because what you need is actually the no. If you really want something, then so there's a healthy tension. And it's in the healthy tension that you can come up with a synthesis if the argument on the other side is valid. And one of the things in learning is like you cannot pass a doctoral paper being one-sided. You have to look at the opposing point of view. Uh, Not because you're looking for trouble, no, you're actually, you know, some of us don't do it because we're so emotional in decision-making. And I'm not saying emotion has zero value, it has a lot of value. But don't tie yourself up immediately, because we were taught to dream the impossible dream. We're taught to aspire and own it and feel it. I don't think Scripture actually did teach that. What Scripture taught is commit your way to the Lord. That's what Scripture teaches. But is there something wrong with dreaming and having a vision? No, 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 no. As long as Scripture is above, as long as the will of God takes preeminence. In fact, if you allow me to share this, let me go New Testament for a while. When Jesus said, deny yourself, well, unless you deny yourself and take up your cross daily, you cannot be my disciple, you cannot be my follower. So the true follower actually has denied the self. Let me explain. There's nothing we want except the will of God. Nothing. And everything, our our, our self-interest comes in, we surrender it to the Lord, and don't hold on, Lord, it's yours. I want nothing, only your will. And if you achieve that level of mind and emotion, and you're now delving into the spiritual that says, Lord, your will be done. Honestly, Truthfully, not my will, but your will be done. Somehow one of our businesses experiencing that. There are things we don't want and we don't even aspire to. It just keeps the door just keeps opening. And of course we have to pray, Is this your will, Lord? But there are others who keep chasing and chasing and chasing. But everything seems to be a failure. And all their lives, they've been in circles. Why? Because they never really listened to the people who either are wise, or have some wisdom, or have spoken opposite what they believe or think. Now, I see the value of that. That's why if somebody wants to say, I am wrong, I truly, honestly want to hear it. Why? Because you might be right, and I can be saved, or... Of course, I'm not talking about the Gospel, because the Gospel is so clearly in Scripture. We're talking about things in life, for example. How to plan something, how to do something. And it's good to listen to different perspectives. And I see the beauty because I have one mind and I have 50 years' experience in this life, but combine it with other, others, what if there are five of us discussing something and we all diligently study, we're talking about 250 years of experience put together, 250 years and five people studying and researching, put it all together, I think there would be a better synthesis there than just my own. Children, you begin asking counsel from your parents, that's where it begins, and then as you grow, and hopefully parents would allow them to have mentors to explore the world, and by grace and through prayer. Now, again, we may have observed our own plans sometimes or others that have failed, and I, I don't look down on failure if you keep learning (laughs) <laughs> but if you fail and you stop, you made the trauma make you stop, uh, and you don't learn from it, that it's a waste. It's a waste of experience. And uh, uh, there could be many reasons, but one reason is not consulting the right people. Now, why did the proverb say, the wise sayings say many advisors? Why many? Well, it's a question that I ask. Now, allow me to share uh, my human perspective on this thing. I'm not saying that's exactly what the text is saying. What the text is saying is that with many advisors, uh, they succeed. Of course, within the context of Proverbs, it should be wise advisors, of course. But however, not everybody can give a wise advice. Oh, that's the truth. Not even the expert can get it right sometimes right? Yeah, so what do we do? With many counselors, why? You learn the different ideas. You see, your eye suddenly shifts. I mean, I mean, you have a wider perspective. I only have one perspective, but in a circle when we look at something, we see the different angles to a certain issue. Now, It's possible that one of the advice you get is a terrible and bad advice. And that is possible. But you will not believe it because if that's the advice you're looking for, you're going to cling to it. the danger of the bias. That's why we need more. But then if there are structures, a family has a structure. This church has a structure in seeking advice, also respect the structure, because God has a purpose for these structures. We have a government that has a structure, and in in, in working our way, for example, you want to be a businessman that succeeds in the Philippines, you have to work within that structure, because there is a government. If you want to be a politician, there is a structure. You want to serve that, well, there is a structure, but if you violate that structure, so I would say you find advice that still respects the structure, but if you're going to go beyond the structure, that's a revolution. And sometimes that applies, and that's how America came into being, a revolution. Because they didn't want that structure of monarchy, they wanted a republic, they wanted a democracy. Well, again, why many counselors? Because one of them might give you bad advice. <laughs> you know the problem, if it's the first one? What if the first one gave you a bad advice and you t- ran with it, you believed it, without being diligent enough to look at the different perspectives? <sighs> Application, no one knows everything. Therefore, it is wise to gain more perspective. More perspective. How may we gain more perspective? We may consult the knowledgeable through conversations. Or we may do research. How do you converse with these people who are knowledgeable in certain fields? Well, you have to be friendly. You must be a person who's, who, who does mutual Benefit means, you know, if you take the time to help others, it's not so difficult for others to help you as well. And that is being wise. Uh, But if we only look at our own lives and just uh, be hyper-focused in our plans, then we'll never get better counselors. But if we learn to just help a little bit, help a little bit, some of them are more than willing to help you back. Not all are like that, but there's a number of people who would be willing to. But if you only approach a person when you need them, uh, well, uh, elders and pastors are here to listen when you need, even though you help or not, we're willing to pray for you. Uh, But in the secular world, that's a different story. The answer is, who are you? Who are you? Why would I help you? But if from the start you have one way of helping this and this and this and these people may recommend you because you've been quite helpful therefore you get more advice. So how do you get more advice? Through better conversations. Now there are conversations that go nowhere. There's no wisdom there. Please avoid that. Go with conversations that actually build you up spiritually first, biblically, and then the life as well, career, uh, business, or, 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 or vocation, or calling, or changing, helping change the world by contributing a little bit to uh, to the improvement of the climate, of the environment, or getting into social enterprise. Uh, speak to people who, who, help, who help you as well. Usually these people know some good counsellors as well, usually. But those who just mind their own business and never really connect, uh, really get very little counsellors, and there's a danger between listening to only one. You know, they say, if you read one author, uh, (laughs) I forgot the saying, but, well, you just echo, you're just parroting, I'm paraphrasing now. Uh, And two is not enough, it takes ten at least, on a subject. Well, the next lessons we're going to have will be on Galatians. and uh, uh, Well, the the next set of books that came is all about Galatians. I I bought three books on Galatians, and we have other books in the library about Galatians, and and there are online books as well on Galatians. We will be doing Galatians uh, this year, and uh, hopefully this February we can start but I cannot just look at my thinking about the text. I have, it has to be confirmed by other perspectives. So if you're in a hurry to get married, uh, those who are in a hurry or hasty comes only to poverty. And that poverty is not always about money. It can be the poverty of emotions. It can be the poverty of fellowship. It can be the poverty of good conversations. And it can be a poverty where you are with somebody but you feel alone. That can happen. But by God's grace, we praise God for the community. (laughs) Somehow, if we end up there, it can be balanced out by other members of the community. So, we do more study. We do more research. Now, again, I keep saying this, but only a few people are willing to see the different angles. One reason is that they are emotionally immature because they gave themselves entirely to their plan. They connected their emotions to their plan, and that you don't do. A plan is a plan. You just plan. If it succeeds, praise God. If it doesn't, so what? That comes to a New Testament prayer that says, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done, Lord. You just pray, thy will be done. Now, there are teachers who said, don't pray if it is your will, Lord, because that's a lack of faith. Nothing can be more wrong. In fact, you have more faith when you follow what Jesus says when you pray, let thy will be done. Why? Because your faith is not in what you think, not in what you planned. Your faith is what? in the will of God. You trust God. Your faith is in God and in His will. And if His will is not what I want, I trust it. Therefore, I can sleep well. Well, another reason why people don't see other perspectives is not emotional immaturity. It's not about not listening to the points of views of others. Uh, the, another reason is just laziness. Some avoid the stress of thinking. Do you know that sometimes when you listen to a teacher and you want to sleep, because your mind is not used to the stress of learning, your mind wants to sleep, it wants to shut down. It doesn't like the stress. But that's where that's the turning point when you fight that, and you say, I'm going to learn this no matter what. And then you become interested, you become curious, then you fall in love with the subject. Now you have adopted, your mind is no longer stressed with it, you find it a joy. That doesn't mean you'll never be stressed, but there's a great stress in doing something you don't know, and that's part of learning. That's why some never learn, because they'd rather be lazy than go through the discomfort, the discomfort of learning. There's somebody I know, he was sharing, he said, I want to take my doctoral, and uh, one of the mentors said, okay, what are you willing to give up to achieve this? You want to achieve something, there's something you give up. And that's part of what I do in mentoring. You want to do this, I'm sure you can not do everything. How will you reprioritize your life? But if you keep insisting, you're saying you want to do this, but you keep insisting and in still doing these things, you have not understood the wisdom of it. These things can wait, some things can wait for you to achieve something now. But because we are pleasure-oriented, we want to do these other things, there's, therefore, the most important things we don't do, so life passes us by. Let us serve the Lord while we have strength and we are young. We just got hit by a pandemic. We can die anytime. And in your deathbed, many of us will be saying, I wish I served God more. And some of us will get old one day and say, I wish I were younger. I wish I had more energy to serve the Lord. You don't wait. You do it now, because after that, we meet our Creator. And our Creator, if we are saved by grace through faith, will welcome us. But then one day, there will be a judgment of rewards. And some of us who have not done anything here on earth have very little rewards in eternity where it matters most. Well, in the Book of Wisdom, oh, let me just say this first. The lazy act foolishly by ignoring good counsel. Yeah, they ignore good counsel. So let us lay aside our narrow-mindedness, laziness, and our pride. Now, imagine a community like us who make plans and listens to counselors, Imagine our plans becoming more aligned to God's word because of godly counsel. Imagine a community that makes better decisions through the years. Imagine a family who listens to counsel. Imagine parents who listens to godly counsel from other parents. Imagine children listening to the right people rather than to just those who affirm their feelings. And our feelings can be wrong. Imagine individuals always considering what the Word of God says and growing together in the Word of God and fulfilling, working with what the Holy Spirit is actually doing in our midst and praising God for it. Last point, prepare but trust God. Once upon a time, the abundance of horses and, and chariots, I mean horses and chariots, determined military might. Thus armies prepare them well. However, wisdom believes that deliverance comes, deliverance comes from the Lord, not horses. Thus, men should understand that God's purpose always prevails. Let's lead, read the, uh, verse 31, first, of chapter 21, and then chapter 19 of 21, and chapter 19 and verse 21. So. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. So look at it. The horse is made ready. It's prepared for the day of battle. And horses is the pride. They were just the tanks when there were no uh, missiles yet. There were no guns. There were the uh, chariots and the horses. That's called the cavalry. And that shows that how strong your army is. But the victory belongs to the Lord. Well, one perspective, because it is God who gives a victory, even though you prepared well, it is still God who gives a victory. Another perspective here is that it is God who must be honored in the victory. And verse 21 of chapter 19, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Now, no one should neglect preparation, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to prepare which includes preparing our best assets, like horses. We prepare our best assets for victory. That can be applied as an individual and as a church or as a family. You prepare your best assets. Yet one should always put their trust, everyone should always put their trust in the Lord and not on the assets. So even though we prepare our assets, we want people to be trained, equipped in this church, both in the secular field And in the biblical field, we want to prepare, we want more assets, we will do that, we want more growth group leaders, we will prepare the assets, but it is the Lord who gives the victory. It is the Lord who gives the victory. Let us prepare ourselves, our family members, and our church community to make a difference in the world. Let us gear up for holistic success. Let us prepare our present and future assets. Yet let us always trust in the Lord and not in our capabilities because He gives a victory and He deserves all the glory. As a church, we aim to reach 1,000 growth groups in 2030. Later, I'll just give you a few slides. We will plan, we will prepare the assets, And we will trust the Lord for the grace to succeed and give him all the glory. Now, imagine a community well-prepared, with well-prepared assets to fulfill the mission. But their complete trust is in the Lord. Imagine a community that trusts God with whatever outcome, whatever the outcome. We will trust God's will because we trust his purpose. In the end, his purpose stands, and it will always prevail So, brothers and sisters, let us plan well, let's be diligent, let's prepare well, but let us trust in the Lord. But in order of priority, first it is the mission of God, always, His desire, His intent to save and to mature us, Ephesians 4, that we may grow into the maturity of Christ, to mature us. That's part of the mission. Another part of the mission, to go proclaim and make disciples, and forming them into church communities. And in the process, learning everything we can that we may have an impact in our society as well. After I share the poem, we will not leave yet. I will share you a few slides. And after a few slides, you will open that mug. We will raise a toast and uh, we will have uh, uh, some to take our picture uh, to document this 30th anniversary. So no food, because if we open our masks and we eat, the risk of infecting one another if we are COVID-positive. I like positive people. Are you positive? Uh, um, (laughs) So to avoid that, we just gave you a mug to remember to remember this day and um, just to commemorate. But the whole year we'll be giving out a book or two books, at least there's one book approved by the elders to give away to whom? To those who are faithful in the growth groups. One per family, one book per family will be given to those who are faithful in the growth groups. So. uh, well, you can also buy your own book if you want. It is How to Read the Bible Book by Book by Gordon Fee. But let me share wisdom in the plan. Another poem. One must plan and be decisive, not in any way impulsive, not satisfied with one angle to avoid getting entangled. Do not rush as a rule of thumb, Be wise in waiting for wisdom. Listen well to good counselors. It's wise to see all the colors. Let's prepare and plan for success. Build assets, but nevertheless, trust God for every victory. He is the God of destiny. And yet, whatever the outcome, after calculating the sum, despite planning every detail, God's purpose will always prevail. Make plans, but with all diligence, be mindful of the difference. Our plans are for the Lord alone. Through us, he will make himself known. God is good.